Father, we give you thanks. Thank you for your grace in this house. The grace that helps us see and walk in the light of the revelation we receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Praise the Lord. I'd like us to start this morning by looking at 2 Kings chapter 4. Second Kings chapter 4, we're going to start reading from verse 1. It says, a certain woman. So we know this is not a parable. This actually happened. It says, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha. So this actually happened, and this is actually speaking about a godly person. Yeah? She was the wife of one of the prophets. Bible history teaches um, that this was actually Obadiah's wife. But we know she was a righteous person. Say to your neighbor, a righteous person. So a certain woman um, cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. So it was a righteous person. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So he was righteous, but um, that, that aspect of the covenant which had to do with wealth, he hadn't um, activated it. It is possible for you to be in a covenant and not activate certain parts of it. Now, he's righteous, but he says that the creditor is coming. You know, the creditor uh, always shows up. You know, they will find the address. They will get the location. He said the creditor is coming to take away my two sons to be his slave. Uh, in that era, uh, you know, they don't write off debts, you know, unless it was Jubilee. Uh, you will walk off the debt. Even when you die, your children will walk it off for you. It says, so Elisha prayed. Is that what it says in your Bible? Yeah, I want you to look at your Bible this morning or look at the screen. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Elisha understood what she was saying. That there was lack in her. She was experiencing lack and it was serious. I mean, by the time the creditor is coming, it means that you have told them that you will pay. You have scheduled payments and failed. So the creditor is coming to take away the little that you have. And in this case, it was the children. So at this point, um, it was clear that she had tried everything she could. Elisha understood the situation, but he was operating from a certain premise. Hallelujah. A certain premise. You know, I always say that the world always operates... Under the illusion of limited resources. 
And resources may be limited, but not in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Say resources are not limited in the kingdom. Oh, come on. You, you know, when you say words, you are, you, are, you, are, you are releasing sounds. And a sound is a vibration, is it not? So when you speak words, the vibration goes through your body. Your nerve endings receive the sound. Hallelujah. And it communicates the truth to your brain. So when you speak something, speak it with intention. Hallelujah. Say, I believe this. Put the weight of yourself behind the words you speak. Say, there, there is no lack in the kingdom. So, Elisha operated from a premise. He says, what do you have in your house? Now, Elisha hadn't been to her house, but he knew she had something there. How is that possible? This woman has already tried everything she knew to do, and the creditor was coming. Elisha said, there is something you have ignored. Hallelujah. There is something that you have ignored. If there is lack in your life, there is something you are ignoring. Hallelujah. Because you are in the kingdom. There's something you are, there is something that you are ignoring because you are in the kingdom. Hallelujah. And there is no lack in the kingdom. There is an abundant supply. You know, Jesus encountered 10 people or 10 men who were leprous. And he said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. You only go and show yourself to the priest when you are healed. Yeah? But Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest. So he was saying that you are healed. Now you have a choice. You either believe what Jesus is saying or you believe what your body or in this case your bank balance is telling you. Hallelujah. Now, now these people were obviously smart people. Um, spiritually smart. You can be physically smart and spiritually dumb. Amen. They got up and they appraised the situation and said, well, if God says it, I believe it, and therefore I act on it. Hallelujah. They didn't say, but Jesus, don't you see that I am leprous? They got up and they began to walk to the priest. And the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. All ten were healed. So Elisha said to her, tell me, what do you have in your house? Now, now, now she didn't think, I don't have anything. She thought, well... I must have something. Hallelujah. And look at her response. She says, your maid servant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. She has nothing but a jar of oil. So it means that she knew she had a jar of oil, but she appraised it as not being useful for her in this situation. Is that not true? Because she said, I have a jar of oil, but it is nothing. I have a jar of oil, but it is what? It is nothing. Now, now, now we began this a few weeks ago where 
through revelation that the Lord visited Moses again. You know, when Moses was growing up in the house of Pharaoh, there was something in him, a desire in him to liberate his people. If you look at Acts chapter 7, he knew that God had called him to liberate his people, but he did not know how. He did not know how, but, but there was something within him that knew that this is who I am. There is something within you that is telling you who you are. Hallelujah. There is something that keeps you up at night. There is, there is something that keeps coming up in your heart. A desire. I want to do this. There is something that makes you glad whenever you see. There is something that makes you angry whenever you see injustice in that area. Moses got up in his strength. And wanted to fulfill that which he knew God had called him to do. But he failed. And because he failed, he ended up in obscurity. But God came 40 years later and visited him again. Hallelujah. You know, revelation is always an unveiling of what is already there. God came back to connect Moses to who Moses knew he always was but had forgotten. Or he had put to the back burner because he felt, you know, I have tried it and it doesn't work. But the Lord came to give Moses wisdom. And the Lord began by saying to Moses, this is what I've called you to do. And Moses began to give excuses. And the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? Hallelujah. And he said, as you know, I have a rod. And the Lord showed him how to release the power of that rod. And through the release of the power of that rod, he delivered, people say about three million people from the bondage of Egypt. Through the power of that rod. Hallelujah. And he understood that that rod that was in his hand was not his rod, it was the rod of God. Amen. So Elisha said to this woman, what do you have in your house? She said, I have nothing but a jar of oil. Then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it out into all those vessels and set aside the full one. So she went from him, shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil, what? It ceased. The oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil. And pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Now, I, I learned a few things from this story. You see, all Elisha did 
You know, there was no prayer here. Prayer is good, but there's no prayer here. You know, the, the, the primary reason for prayer is to give you insight, illumination, is it not? Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call upon me. I will answer you and I will open your eyes to see. What am I opening your eyes to see? I'm opening your eyes to see what I have provided for you and how to connect with it. It is not when I pray that God provides for me. Because before time began, he knew me and he chose me and predestined me and put in place everything I need to glorify his name. So when I pray, he opens my eyes to see what he has provided. So Elisha did not need to pray here. He just needed to teach this woman how to connect with the power of God that was already available to her. Is that not correct? The other thing I learned from this story is that um, we are the ones that determine the level of our fruitfulness. Because you know that um, the oil ceased when the vessels were finished. In fact, if she had continued providing vessels, if she had gone to make a vessel manufacturing company, when Elisha said, go borrow a few vessels, if she went out of the house and went to build a vessel producing company and had an assembly line of vessels coming through. I'm a Nigerian. This is how we think. Are you with me? I mean, if Jesus send, sent a Nigerian to go to the, to the brook to get the, a gold coin from the first fish, the Nigerian would go to the brook, get a gold coin from the first fish. He will roast that fish because he's not going to throw the fish back. He will eat the fish and he will keep fishing. Is that not correct? If the Lord sends a, uh, you know, a bucket of gold to a Nigerian around the neck of a cow, the Nigerian will take the bucket of gold. And as a true Nigerian, we'll kill the cow and we will celebrate, will we not? So if she had made an assembly plant of vessels, as she was pouring out the oil, the oil would have been filling the, the, the vessels till today. Is that not true? Because the oil stopped when the provision, when the vessels, when the capacity, when the expectation ceased. Hallelujah. So that means that um, we determine the fruitfulness of the seed. You know, as it is said, you can tell the number of seeds uh, in a fruit, but you cannot tell the number of fruits in a seed. Yeah? Because, uh, you know, you can, the, the way God has done this thing is that whenever there is a seed, it can produce forever. Is that not true? So you can take a fruit and you can count the number of seeds. But if you take those seeds and plant them, you have more fruit. And then you have more fruit. And then you have more fruit. So the capacity of a seed, the reproductive capacity of a seed is eternal or everlasting. Is that not the case? And we can understand why. Because if the seed comes from God and it bears the characteristics of God, then it means that it's capacity to produce is infinite. Isn't that logical? Because a gift doesn't tell you anything 
about the person that is using the gift. It tells you a lot about the giver, does it not? Because the gift bears the characteristics of the giver. So Elisha was saying to this woman, there is something in your hand. 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 And that thing that is already in your hand will cause you to pay your debts and it will cause you to have more than enough to live on the rest. Hallelujah. But you determine how productive it's going to be. I also learned that this woman, and I said this initially, she disdained the seed she had. She did not consider it worthy of consideration. Hallelujah. So, um, this mini-series I'm doing on grace is titled Grace in Your Hand. Grace in Your Hand. Because you have grace in your hand. Everyone say, I have grace in my hand. Now, now do I need to repeat what I said about uh, vibrations? I have grace in my hand. 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 You see, in the beginning, in Genesis 1.28, the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. We know when God speaks, he's not giving advice. He's, he's, he's giving definition. He gave definition to humanity. He wasn't advising them. He was giving definition. And you and I were in Adam when he spoke those words. So he says, you are fruitful. You multiply, you replenish the earth. If God stands and says, like he did with Abraham and said, Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. Abraham received that as his definition. And he began to walk and say, this is who I am. Hallelujah. So if you appraise that verse properly, in your time of meditation, you will be there in the beginning. Hallelujah. In Adam, and you will see the presence of God. Upon you, speaking to you, saying, you are fruitful. And in that word, if he's saying you are fruitful, that means he's saying, I am implanting my seed in your inner man. I am implanting my seed in your inner man. I'm implanting my seed in your inner man. And that means that the fruitfulness of that seed is infinite. There is no limitation to what that seed will produce. Hallelujah. We, we, we need to uh, incubate this in our time of meditation. There is no limitation because it is not my seed. It is his seed. It is his seed. Hallelujah. I'm just a custodian of it. It is his seed. And we need to walk in the same wisdom. That Elisha gave this woman on how to release the power of our seed. Amen. Because we have it. Prayer will help give you insight into it. Because the grace is already here. The power of God is already at work in your life. That seed is where the power is located. And that's why as we looked at um, Galatians 6.4, it says make a careful exploration of who you are. And the work you have been given. Be careful in exploring. 
Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. Amen. You know, this is how God created all things. In fact, in Genesis 1.10, you don't need to turn to it, just turn to 1 Peter. Or Genesis 1.11. When God created the vegetation and the plants, he made this statement. He said, let the earth bring forth grass. The herb that yields seed. And the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. So God created everything with seed in itself. Hallelujah. God created all things with seed in itself. So that means the key to your fruitfulness is already in you. Hallelujah. Because God would not do it for trees and animals and not do it for humanity. That means the seed for your fruitfulness is already in you and it comes from God. Hallelujah. Look at 1 Peter 4 verse 10. I'm going to read two translations of this. We will start with um, the New King James. It says, as each one, everyone say each one. It says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Wow, I like this verse. Grace is the power of God, is it not? The power of God in operation. Now it says, each of you have received something. Each of you already have the power of God at work within you. As each of you have received this gift... Serve one another with it and be a good steward of the gift. Be a good steward of the gift. Like Proverbs 12, 11 says, he who works his land will have abundant food. He who follows or who chases fantasy lacks judgment. He says, as each of you have received a gift, be a good steward of it. Because this gift is where God's power is at work within you. Wow. Where God's power is at work within you. The Amplified Version puts it this way. As each of you has received a gift, a particular talent, a gracious divine endowment. Wow. It is a divine endowment. A divine, each one. Each one has a divine endowment. When we say divine, it means it comes from God. God's endowment, bearing his characteristic. Each one, divine endowment, employ it for one another. As befits good trustees of God's many-sided grace. Faithful stewards of the extremely diverse powers and gifts granted to Christians by unmerited favor. Hallelujah. We see the words divine endowment. We see the words many-sided grace. Extremely diverse powers. Hallelujah. And it says we shall employ them. Everyone say employ them. 
He says you should employ them. Hallelujah. But most importantly, he says each one has received the gift. Each one has received the gift. So it is incumbent upon us to identify them, employ them, and release their power. Because that is how our needs will be met, and that is how we will have more than enough. And when we unleash the potential of our gift as good stewards, that potential will attest to the divinity of the giver. Which means that when it is in expression, it will be out of this world. Amen. It will be transformational. It will be disruptive. It will not be incremental. And he says each one has it in operation. Each one has it. Hallelujah. Each one has it. Each one has it. So what are we doing with it? Like Pastor Ricky said, what kind of vessel are you? Each one has it. Are we employing it? Hallelujah. Are we employing it? You know, like uh, Pastor Blessing said, we need to be secure in God's love. God has already loved you before you came. Hallelujah. Even before you were born again, the gift was there, was it not? So now let us, let us look at um, fruitfulness. What does fruitfulness actually mean? When we are fruitful, what, what, what is fruitfulness? It says be fruitful, which indicates that we have divine gifts on the inside. But what does fruitfulness look like? Because I don't know about you, but you know, it gets very sad when your so-called heroes look like they're fruitful and then they, um, they overdose on heroin. Or the guy that was making you laugh for many years killed himself because of depression. And on the outside, we look at them and think they are fruitful, but they are not really because that's not fruitfulness. So it is important as we explore this that we understand what fruitfulness actually means. Yeah? We, we need to understand what fruitfulness means. So when we release the power that's within us, we, we can be fruitful the way God desires us to be fruitful. Because God wants us to be fruitful, to have more fruit and to have much fruit, as John 15 teaches us. So what does fruitfulness mean? Let's look at two quick things today. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Because fruitfulness speaks about the presence of certain seeds within us that have been put in by our Father in heaven. And his desire is for us to be fruitful. So let us look at some dimensions of fruitfulness. In 1 John chapter 3 verse 9, the Bible says, Whoever has been born of God does not sin because his seed, everyone say his seed, his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Hallelujah. We're talking about seed and fruit, are we not? So he says, when you, when you became born again, he put his seed within you. And as a result of that, it changes your nature. And that seed remains in you. Praise the Lord. L look at the amplified version of that. The amplified says, no one, everyone say no one. No one begotten of God deliberately 
knowingly and habitually practices sin, for God's nature abides in him. His principle of life, the divine sperm, remains permanently. Everyone say permanently. That means that there's hope for you and there's hope for me. Is that not true? It says this seed remains permanently in him and he cannot practice sinning because he is born of God. There is a divine seed on the inside of you and as a result of that divine seed on the inside of you, your destiny is to be fruitful and fruitfulness means that you will be exactly like Christ in expression. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how bad you look right now. The good thing is that the seed is permanently there. I love this. This kind of liberates me actually. Sets me free. That seed is permanently there. Hallelujah. And all you need is the revelation and the wisdom to release the power of that seed. But that seed is the seed of Christ himself. And as a result, it will reproduce Christ in you. You don't have to try to be like Christ. Christ is already in you. Hallelujah. All we need to do is learn how to release the power of that seed and will be the Christ that is already in us. Look at the result of this. Look at Romans 8, 29. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined or preplanned to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among what? Many brethren. The word conformed is from a Greek word that speaks about expression. Expression. Everyone say expression. Yeah, expression. Um, it, it speaks about your external conduct conforming to the inward reality. Yeah? It is what causes a tadpole to become a frog and a caterpillar to become a, a, a butterfly. It is a change of form. Hallelujah. A metamorphosis. And all metamorphosis is, is that through feeding, your external takes the shape of your internal life. Is that not true? He says the plan of God for you and I is to be like Christ in expression so that all that Christ will be is the firstborn among many brothers. We will not be able to distinguish you from Christ because you are brothers. Hallelujah. You are brothers. You are brothers. The plan of God is that Christ will be, will be one amongst his brethren. Hallelujah. And that's why we are joint heirs with him. Which means that everything he gets, we get. Isn't that the grace of God? And to effect this, he has put within us the seed of Christ. Hallelujah. He has put within us the seed of Christ. God's plan for us is so comprehensive. And he knew us before the foundation of the world. And our calling 
was established at that time. And the foundation of our purpose is for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That will become like him and do the works that he did. And this calling is upon every believer. I say this calling is upon who? Is upon who? Every believer. Every believer. It is not, for the, it's not a calling for those who are behind the pulpit. You know, I, I remember years ago, we went on, uh, you know, went on a, like one of these uh, boat rides uh, to one of these islands somewhere, and we're having a picnic, and we... Um, we had some friends with us, some were not members of the church, some were, you know, other people, you know, friends of friends. And um, the guy asked me what I did, you know, as guys do. And I said, well, I'm a, I'm a minister. He said, man, you guys, you know, you're on a different level. He said, you guys have to be really holy. You see, we, we can be okay. But you, you guys, all you preachers, you better be holy. Now, you know, the call of holiness is not a preacher calling. Uh-huh. In fact, let me come sit with you. It's our calling. All right? It is not a preacher calling. Jesus said, he that believes on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than this because I go to the Father. That is the calling of the church. Hallelujah. And to guarantee the production of that, he has put his seed within us. The seed of Christ is in me. Everyone say, the seed of Christ is in me. Oh, say it again. The seed of Christ is in me. And this seed produces Christ in me. My purpose is to be like him and to do the works that he did. Uh, that, that is the first seed. You, you, you know, uh, 1 Peter 4 says it is a multi-sided grace, a manifold grace. A many-faceted grace. The power of God at work in your life is operating on different dimensions. Hallelujah. It is operating on different dimensions. It is many-sided. It is not one or the other. It is one and the other. Hallelujah. This is your calling. This is your calling to be like him. To do the works that he did. It is your first calling. Hallelujah. And that's why I do not believe in the doctrine of the priests and kings. The Bible doesn't teach that some are priests and some are kings. In the New Testament, we are a kingdom of priests. Hallelujah. We are a kingdom of priests. We are kingly priests. That is New Testament. Look at 1 Peter 2.5. Look at 1 Peter 2.9. We are a kingdom of priests. Hallelujah. This is our first calling. To be like Christ and to reveal Christ. So as we are searching who we are and the work we have been given, this is our first work. Amen. And you have the capacity to become him because his seed is in you. His seed is in you. If you invited Jesus to your home and said, you know, but I want to be like you. He says, what do you have in your hand? Because when you examine what you have in your hand, 
you will see that Christ is there as a seed. Hallelujah. I need to look at the second aspect before we close. Look at Matthew 6, 31. Matthew 6, 31. And you know, we're going to develop this because this is our time. This is the day of the church. Hallelujah. This is our time. This is our time. The earth is groaning, waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God. So revelation is coming like never before. Because when the Lord wants to release you to a new level, he gives you insight and shows you what is available. You are not too young to learn this. You are not too old to release this. You are not too educated or too uneducated to walk in the power of your destiny. Matthew 6, 31 says, Therefore do not worry, Jesus is speaking. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? After all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. All these things. So we understand one thing, that we're not meant to seek the way the Gentiles seek. All right? But he says that we should seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Apart from the first purpose of being like Christ and doing the works of Christ, the Lord has also given each of us a very specific part to play in his overall plan. And it must be our quest to search out our part. Everyone say our part. It, is, it must be our quest to search out our part in his plan. In his plan. You know when the Bible says we'll seek first the kingdom of God. I believe the first part of that is to seek first your place in the kingdom. Seek first your place. What is my place in the kingdom of God? You, you know that you are, the Bible says that you were delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his dear son in Colossians 1.13. So in, my, in the kingdom of God, God has a part for me to play. What is my place in the extension of his kingdom? Are you with me? You know, the industry to which you are called is not, you're not just called to that industry so you'll be successful there and be able to give testimony to the fact that you're a Christian. No. Uh, beyond that, God has uh, put seeds on the inside of you and puts you in that sphere so that you will extend his kingdom there. You will extend his kingdom there. What are the characteristics of the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. You have been put in that sphere to extend his kingdom there. To extend his kingdom values. His kingdom life that brings liberty from bondage. That, that, that brings release from oppression. So as we go about our endeavors... The way we must look about the, at, at the place we're in is what is my role in this fair to extend the kingdom? You know, 
not trying to put anyone on the spot, but a, child, a, a young man, I'm young too, but I like to make people feel good about themselves when I say young man. You know, a young man came to me, he's like a, a director, he's, he's in the arts, and he, he came to me with a script, and he said, Pastor, I'd like to read the script. Uh, it's something I'm, I'm looking at producing. And I read the script, and I thought, man, what a wonderful script. I mean, it had genius in that script, okay? But you know, everything we do is a vehicle for something. Do you know that, um, who is the CEO of uh, Apple? Yeah, come on, guys. Tim Cook, right? Okay. Do you know when Tim Cook revealed that he was gay? When did he reveal he was gay? When did everyone know Tim was gay? Wasn't it, what had he just received at the time? He had just become CEO, right? That was when he became, that Tim is gay, and he came out that he was gay, right? Good. Now, 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 you know, that revelation that, you know, some, okay, let me not get ahead of myself. You know, that revelation that he was gay came at a good time to, to move forward the gay agenda. You understand? He was not fighting for equality when he was starting out. He just kept that quiet or didn't reveal it, got to the top of his game, and then he revealed that I'm gay. And you know, the gay movement embraced that and they magnified that. I know people that probably had an issue with it before. So, well, at least he's a good guy. Are you with me? The, everything pushes an agenda. Are you with me? Everything pushes an agenda. There are only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. When the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom, in my endeavor, in my life, hallelujah, everything I do, when I employ the seeds on the inside of me, fruitfulness is when it advances the cause of the kingdom. Hallelujah. You are not fruitful if you have not advanced the cause of the kingdom. So, you know, this, is, uh, this was a lovely script. And I said to the man, I said, man, this is a great script. But, you know, when I read the script, the agenda that it is pushing is not a kingdom agenda. Hallelujah. It's not a kingdom agenda. What agenda are you pushing? What kingdom are you building? Is it your kingdom or is it his kingdom? Do you know that you can use the gift of God like Nimrod and his people did to build the Tower of Babel? Or like Bezaleel and Oheliab, you can fashion a temple that his presence can fill and bring great glory to his name in the earth. So as we are making a careful exploration of who we are, and the seeds that we have been given. It is important that we understand that this is a kingdom seed. And the expression of this seed that will bring fruitfulness, that will bless your life and bless your generation. Must be an expression that extends the kingdom. Hallelujah. All these things will be added to you. 
But you know, you don't just want things added to you in this life. You want things added to you in, in eternity. You want things added to you in such a way that generations after generations that bear your name will have the light of God and the grace of God at work in their lives because of the fruit of the seed of your life. Hallelujah. Last verse of scripture. Look at Hebrews 11, and I close. So grace is in your hand. Grace is in your hand. Yeah, grace is in your hand. Grace is in your hand. Grace is in your hand. Hallelujah. Grace is in your hand. Grace is in your hand. Grace is in your hand. God is saying to you, well, what is that in your hand? Hallelujah. Grace is in your hand. Grace is in your hand. Like Elisha said, what is that in your house? Grace is in your hand. Hallelujah. That grace will produce Christ in you. That grace will produce the works of Christ in you. That grace will extend the kingdom in your life. That grace will cause all these things to be added to you. But on a multiplied level. Such that it impacts eternity and impacts your generations. Grace in your hands. Grace in your hands. Now the Bible says in Hebrews 11 verse 8. It says by faith. Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which, should, which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which has foundations. Whose builder and maker is God. Hallelujah. You know, Abraham was a wealthy man. Yeah. Abraham was a very wealthy man. All these things were added to him. Uh, me. You know, sometimes I feel that people have no idea what God is like. You know, even in our worship. You know, we, we worship God. Some, you know, I was in a church one time. Someone invited me to an event. And, you know, everything just looked so drab. And, you know, everyone, it seemed as though they thought that that was what holiness was all about. You know, this, you know, just, you know, sad and sorry kind of thing. And, you know, I was in the service and I tried to enjoy it and stuff. And, you know, I just had this thought that, you know what, we'll be very surprised when we really get uh, an insight into what God is like. Because God is very different from how a lot of us think. It's a little bit like when you have a child and your child is trying to please you, and he gives you stuff you don't really like, but you appreciate it because at least it shows that he is thinking about someone other than himself. Are you with me? Maybe they want to give you a, you know, a gift, and they give you something, and you, you, you appreciate it, but, but as they grow up and they understand who you are, they give you stuff that you really like. Every time people have had an insight into heaven, God lives a very you know, beautiful life. If we can be allowed to say that. <laughs> you know, I mean, God lives, God lives a very, I mean, there is order, there is beauty, there are colors. There, I mean, it's just a beautiful place. Yeah? So, when God says all these things will be added to you, you are going to have more than enough. Hallelujah. Abraham had more than enough. But, you know, he was seeking for something beyond the stuff. Yeah? His life was, was beyond the stuff. He didn't know where he was going, but he knew what he wanted. 
He was looking for something that God was building. He wanted to be part of what God is doing in the earth. Hallelujah. That was his quest. I want to be part of what God is doing in the earth. I'm aligning myself with the kingdom of God in everything I do. I want to be part of what God is doing in the earth. Hallelujah. I want to do my part. The part that he allocated for me before the foundation of the world. The part he allocated for you was not to have a nice house and a nice car and have more than enough. The part he allocated for you by his grace is the privilege of extending the supremacy of Christ in all things. In your sphere of influence. Hallelujah. Abraham didn't know where he was going, but he knew what he wanted. He knew what he wanted. He wanted to build a city whose builder and maker is God. And that must be our quest too. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, if every fruit has a name, it means it can be written down. You know, last time we spoke, I talked about understanding your shape. Understanding your shape. And there's this book um, by Eric Rees about understanding your shape. You know, I would recommend this book highly. We only have about 20 copies um, in the bookshop. The bookshop is uh, behind you. I will recommend that um, you get that book. It will bless your life. Amen. The Bible says we make a careful exploration of who we are. Who we are. We're, we're beginning to see who we are. Are we not? All right? We're going to dig deep into these things. Uh, and then how to release who we are, the power of who we are to advance the kingdom, to pay our debts, to bless our nation, to bless our community, to bless our families. Hallelujah. The grace is already at work within you. Let us pray. Father, we're just so thankful for the word of God. We thank you, O oh God, because the word is blessing our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, O oh God, because we have you on the inside of us. So we have more than enough. Lord, thank you, O oh God, because you open our eyes to see who we are, who we are, and the work we've been given. Hallelujah. You, you give us wisdom to release the power of your grace that is all, all, already at work within us. Thank you because Christ is in us. The hope, uh, the expectation of walking in the very glory of Almighty God.